Amen. I know some people have some problems with my level of courage, and um, I'm happy to share more stuff with you uh, to help you, you know, build that boldness. You know, the thing is this, um, bullies, they, they tend to prey on the ones that seem timid and weak in the camp, right? But why, is a, why could a person be weak or timid? One of the reasons why a person may be weak or timid to a very much extent is because they do not know what they carry, the value and the worth they carry. Amen. So at the Transformers Church, you know, we, we help you understand who you are in Christ, what you carry. Amen. What you carry, who you are. Friend, you carry so much worth and value on the inside of you. I'm trying to behave myself. My wife is used to this. So if you see me pause and um, smile, it's because I'm trying to behave myself. Amen. Because I can set this place on fire. Good fire, right? And everyone's screaming. Like, this guy go mad. Yeah, we are crazy people for Christ. Somebody say, I'm not normal. Say, I'm not normal. You know what that means? Now, the Bible, people said of Jesus, they said, what kind of man is this? That even the wind and the storm obey him. Is that a normal person? Say, I'm not normal. Yeah, I am not normal because I carry the life of Christ in me. So when somebody say, are you well? You, you ask them, so when you say well, on which direction? So well because I'm sick or well because I'm not acting like you people? If they say the opposite, say yes, I'm not well. Amen. I'm trying to encourage you guys not to see yourself as ordinary people. Friend, you are not ordinary. We live by faith, not by sight. We don't live by what we see. We are not normal. So everything about us should not be normal. It should be weird to the people of the world. And that's what they should be asking. Guys, what's going on in your life? How are you doing it? The Bible says, before I get into the word, the Bible says, um, Ephesians 3.20, it said, um, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power at work in you. There's a power at work on the inside of you and it's not an ordinary power. The power that raises the dead. The power that heals the sick. The power that opens the eyes of the blind. You are not normal people. We are not normal people. Amen. And we should not expect normal results. Praise God. Welcome to church. I would like to especially welcome... Uh, her family, you know, worshiping with us for the very first time. Let's put our hands together for Nifemi, Imisi, Tami. Yeah, I remember, right? Nice one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Right, it's good to see Lawrence and Chi Ne Lo. Chi Ne Lo. Fantastic. You know, I can afford to get the name of the guy wrong. But I've been married for 80 years. <laughs> okay, let me. Well, this is how I do church. It's life. We do life. You know, and this is not a lecture hall, right? So my wife and I, this morning, we had a, a, not a, a friendly argument. <laughs> so I'm not talking to you because you have not been nice. I'm like, no, babe, I'm only, because she's a defender of the middle bond. <laughs> Pray for me as I go back home with that. <laughs> yes, you can defend the middle children to any extent. Praise the Lord. So we're happy to see you guys. I'm Tony Cole, the lead pastor of the Transformers Church. Uh, my wife has done an introduction of who we are, what we do. So today I want to carry on with what I started teaching on a couple of weeks ago now. 
It's about the gifts of the Spirit. So, uh, because you guys watched us for the first time, I want to give you a quick recap of what we've talked about so far. So, gifts of the Spirit, this is how it works. The moment you give your life to Christ, the moment you're born again, right? From that moment, you're no longer a normal person. Standard. And the reason is because you receive a new nature, a new being. Now, when I say a new nature, something inside of you is new. Everyone, almost nearly everyone will lead to Christ. They say something, I feel new on the inside. And that um, confirms what the Bible says, that if anybody be in Christ, they become a new creature. Now, you may be wondering, but when I give my life to Christ, I still feel the way I used to feel. I still struggle with depression. I still do this. I still do that. Now, what changed in your life when you became a Christian, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is not your emotions. It's not your way of thinking. What changed, on the in- what changed in your life is deep down on the inside. One of the reasons why you need to read your Bible, you need to pray in to come to church, transform church like this, is because we then need to begin to educate your mind to understand, to see what has changed on the inside of you. And as you read the Bible, as you pray, as you hear sound teaching, something on the inside of you will begin to confirm that you're no longer a normal human being, that something has changed in your life. And then when you begin to identify your new identity in Christ Jesus, who you are now, right, you will be able to act differently. Right? So most of the time, many Christians, because they still act the way they used to act before they give their life to Christ, they think they are not born again. They think the Christian life is not real, but that's not true. It's an education piece. It's a renewing of the mind piece. When the mindset is changed, and um, some whole thought pattern are replaced with a new thought pattern, according to God's word, our actions begin to change. And that is why if I'm told somebody is struggling with a habit or something, I don't start with the habit. Say somebody, you know, they can drink from morning to night, you know, and the matter is brought to me. They say, Pastor, we need help. You need to tell this person to stop drinking the way they drink. Drinking is not a problem. I don't start with the drinking. Most, most of the time, something is broken on the inside. And we need to help the person see what they now have in Christ Jesus. Whatever is broken on the inside, if we can show them what God has done for them in Christ Jesus, and they begin to accept this as a reality, the appetite and the desire to drink to stop will begin to fade out. Fizzle out. Amen. So that's why you will never hear me tackle someone, say someone is not doing something right, because that's not how to do it. We don't deal with the situation from the exterior. Young people, do I have 10 in the house today? She should be online. We don't deal with the situation from the exterior. We deal with the matter from the heart. So if anybody's having struggle with anything, let's do from the interior. I like that. From the inside. Let's start with the inside, because once the inside is changed, actions will follow suit. Amen. <clears throat> So you become unnormal the moment you give your life to Christ. And when the Spirit of God comes in you, because it's what makes you unnormal, now it be, it, you begin to act weird. <laughs> I like the way service is going this morning. You begin to act weird. So somebody walks up to you, and they're trying to lie to you. And the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is telling you they're lying, and it's telling you the truth. Is that not weird? That's weird. Well, that is you not being normal. That is you now. That is you now beginning to act the way you should act as a supernatural person, as a child of God. And I'll show us examples. So I'm trying to give you tips as to why it seems like I'm so bold and very courageous, very confident, because I know what I carry. I know I'm not a normal person. My wife can tell you a lot. 
There's no normalness in our house. Amen. After eight years of marriage, she's just trying to get used to it. And to be like this forever. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So when you then receive the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, there are certain traits you begin to exhibit. Right? In different situations and instances. And those traits, those manifestations, I'm trying not to use Christian language this morning, but bear with me. Those traits, those abilities, okay, I will borrow the word manifestations, are what we call the gifts of the Spirit, which means the working of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Amen. And one of them is word of knowledge. So we have about nine of them. I cover, I, we've talked through, uh, I've listed them previously. Please avail yourself to the message. I have a lot of grounds to cover this morning, and we also need to have a, um, a kind of like a feedback session after the service. So, so for the guys worshiping us for the first time today, uh, that's kind of the background. So the manifestation, the evidence, those weirdness that begins to happen in your life because you have the Holy Ghost in you, they are called the gift of the Spirit. And it's the Holy Ghost who walks them in your life. You don't have monopoly over them. I'm excited about what I want to share with you guys today. I can't wait to get there. Amen. And so the first one is, that we started looking at is the word of knowledge. So all of this is a document in the book of First Corinthians chapter 12. You can start from verse 7 all, all the way down. Now, so word of knowledge. Now, this is a supernatural revelation of the Holy Ghost of, of certain facts in the mind of God. My wife was leading us in prayer about purpose. Through the word of knowledge, you can, you can discover your purpose. Because you can hear God. You can have access to God's mind. Tell me, does it make sense? If I'm too advanced, just tell me. I will... I'll make it simpler. Hmm? So if you have, if after the service, you can ask me questions and um, I'll answer you. Right. So no one is too young to know God's purpose for their life. Right. And no one is too young to have a relationship with God. You can go call God your father. I remember Joyce Meyer said, um, I think her daughter's or daughter-in-law's toddler, you know, knew the, the child should be around like kind of three or four, I can't remember, but couldn't articulate a speech yet. So notice that the mother was having stomach trouble. Then she went to the mother, I think I remember what he or she, but the child went to the mother and said, um, Jesus, mommy, oosh. And I think the, and the woman got healed, something like that. So a toddler, from what she could see, or he or she could see in the home, knew there's a God and I can have a relationship with the father. Right? So uh, you're not too young to have a relationship with God. And um, I'll try as much as possible to ensure that you get what I'm talking about. Great. So, uh, word of knowledge. So, this is how we have uh, a, a revelation of certain facts in the mind of God. And I'm going to show some very key examples that we need to bear in mind. Right. So, that's one. Secondly, um, a few things to cover. I, last week, I talked about what the word of knowledge is not. It's not natural knowledge. So, if you have... Uh, uh, an information about a situation or a person prior to when you meet them or you are in the place or you got involved in the situation, that is not word of knowledge. It's natural knowledge. Somebody has told you. But when you hear God tell you something about somebody else, you know, and the purpose is usually for the good, not to expose the person, you know, that's word of knowledge. I remember a child, I can't remember uh, the child's age, 
the father was traveling. I heard from Ken Hagen. The father was traveling, was going on a trip, uh, but the father was not sensitive in spirit to know he was not, was not meant to go on that trip. So he got on the plane, and the child just kind of picked something up in the spirit and said, Mommy, Mommy, I hope that is not in that plane. The plane crashed eventually. So a child can receive. If the child is taught and trained to walk with the father, you'll be surprised at what they can turn, what they can, what can become of them. Amen. And this is one of the reasons why when the child is speaking, I listen. Because sometimes adults can be too busy, and the child is the only one who is hearing what God is saying. Amen. Let's go. So, uh, word of knowledge is not natural knowledge. It is not to expose people's secrets. So, if you go to a place and somebody calls you out, and um, whether they've gathered information about you prior to this time or not, and they start exposing and start telling people things about you, that is not a, a godly conduct. Right? And then I said that... Um, you know, it does not indicate that you are more powerful than other believers. Amen. Let's crack on. So today I want to look at examples of word of knowledge in the Bible. I was going to go through five. I think I will be able to do two. Because of certain things, the Lord began to open my eyes to see. Now, there's a problem with the use of word of knowledge in Christian circles. And the problem is how prophets have uh, seems to be uh, ha- seem to have a monopoly over the word of knowledge. Does anyone know who knows who a prophet is? So, question, QA session. Who is a prophet? Who is a, who is a prophet? Just say anything that comes to your mind. Who would you define as a prophet? Suitseers. Fantastic. That's a nice one. So, uh, anybody else want to try? Who would you consider a prophet? A prophet, a prophet, a prophet. Anybody? Ibukun, what? Who is a prophet? Um, someone who prophesies about things, um, about future events or things that are coming to happen. It's a desire you notice to see kids that um, I've taught them well. Right. So somebody who prophesies about events, future events. So we'll get into that. Fantastic. That's a very good one. That's very comprehensive. Anybody else wants to shoot before I go into this? I can't wait, but I'm patient. Amen. All right. Well done, guys. You've done well. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3. 1 Samuel 9, uh, starting from verse 3. So I'll skip a few verses because I want us to get to the main point. Now, so, it, <clears throat> so we are looking at examples of where the word of knowledge was experienced or practiced in the Bible. And we start from the Old Testament. And then we come to the New Testament of the Bible. I'm sure we know that the Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament, right? So the Old Testament was prior to the coming of Jesus. The New Testament began after Jesus, uh, well, I say, after he was raised from the dead. So the New Testament, real New Testament, talking about it, how things happen spiritually, did not start from Matthew. Uh-huh. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are called gospel. The gospel, um, we call it the, uh, the, the gospels. So you have gospel according to the book of, to, according to Brother Matthew, Brother Mark. That brother may not be written in your Bible, but they're my brothers. Amen, right. So those are the gospels. So they give an account of the event of, in the life of Jesus where he was on earth. And after that, we have Acts of the Apostles, and which was the beginning of the early church. So between the gospels and the book of Acts is where we have the New Testament kickoff. 
when we get into our Bible school and Bible class, we'll start talking about those ones. Exciting times. Amen. So let's look at the prior to the time that Jesus came. Now, now the donkey, so I'm reading from the NIV UK. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. Uh, okay, let's read to, down to verse 6. So he passed through the ill country of Ephraim and through the, uh, the area around Salisha, but they did not find them. They went on into the district of Shalim, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they did not find them. But they reached the district of Zoph. Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. Verse 6. But the servant replied, Look, in this town there is a man of God. We're getting to it. In this town, there is a man of God. He is highly respected, and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. Verse 7. <clears throat> Saul said to his servant, If we go, what can we give the man? I'm going somewhere. The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered him again. Look, he said, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. Formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire, this is in bracket, this is amplified here. Formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, come, let us go to the seer. Because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. And when I was reading this verse this morning, I felt the Lord wants me to cause some things out in the book of, um, in, in verse 7 to verse 9. Let's take that verse 7 to 9 again. So Saul said to his servant, if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. And if you look at the uh, following two verses, you realize that. Let me take this. Uh, you know, guys, let me take verse six again to, so that I can connect them together. Look at it. said, uh, but the servant replied, look, in this town, there is a man of God. He is highly respected too. And everything he says comes true. Three. Let's go there now. Perhaps it will tell us what way to take. Now, so before I look at then verse 7, the guy talks about what do we give him? Fourth point we need to take note of here. So there's a man of God in this town. So, but let's let me put in those four points together because of our time. So, there's a, so back in the days, people go to a man of God to inquire of the Lord. If people want to hear anything about their life or about the situation, they go to a prophet, a seer. And that's how things were back in the days. You know why? Because in the Old Testament, they were not in the New Covenant. They were still normal people. All the people. They were not unnormal like us now. who have Christ Jesus. So they were still very normal people. And normal people will only go by what they can see with their two eyes, what they can smell, what they can hear, what they can feel. But a child of God has supernatural access to the realm of the Spirit and can tell what is happening in the realm of the Spirit. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that 
we have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit that has come from God, so that you and I can know the three things freely given to us. Romans 8.14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, the Spirit of God is, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. It knows the mind of God. The Spirit of God, knows, because of our time, I can't go into it. First Corinthians chapter 2. This, okay. Let me slow down. Let's get into it. First Corinthians 2. So that it makes more sense to you guys. Uh, First Corinthians chapter two. I need to open another Bible up so that I don't close what I'm, what I have opened already in front of me. So let's start from verse ten. Now it said, "These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit." I'm tempted to talk about the previous verse. Lord Jesus, let me do it. Let me do a good job. Some of you may have heard about things like what eyes have not seen, what head have not heard, what the mind of man has not conceived, and the things God has in store for those who love him. But one thing that is always missing in that verse is verse 10. Verse 10 says, These things, but these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. I felt in my spirit to quickly touch on that one. It's not about what we're talking about today, but I felt in my spirit to talk about it. God is never intending to keep anything away from you. I repeat, God does not intend to keep or to withhold any truth or information from you. He's your father and he wants you to know everything about your life, who you are, your identity. Amen? So when people say things like, what eyes have not seen, what ears have not heard, the mind of man has not conceived, but we don't know the ways of God. Those are things that are not correct. God has given us access to his heart by his Holy Ghost. So, it's, so the, the matter now is about how well, how much are you ready or willing to walk with God, to listen, to hear, to see those things. Amen? So that's just by the a bonus. So verse 10 says, these, things, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12. We, but what we have received. Somebody will say received. Now, when you are reading your Bible, I would like you to read it word by word, line by line. This is why it is not good to just read your Bible based on you have to hit four chapters per day or you want to read the Bible in one year. Sometimes I struggle. I've stopped this one-year Bible thing. I just listen and well, I ensure that I just, you know, I read my Bible the way I want to read it, where I understand. Because that received alone, I can be there for the next one hour. Because I'll, I'll start tracing it back to receive, 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 every receiving. Amen. Say, the Bible says we have received, not that, you will, not that you will receive. It's not a future tense, it's a past tense. You have it. Somebody say, have it. Say, have it. I wish I could, we could be, all be living on the same street so that when I manifest my craziness, my madness in Christ, you can see. I have it. Say, I have it. Verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. 
So we have something, but what we have is not of the normal people. Say, but the spirit womb is from God. Now, if the previous verse says that the spirit of God knows the thoughts of God, knows the mind of God, and it says you have received it. The day you give your life to Christ, you receive that spirit that have access to the mind of God. In the Old Testament, this is where I'm going. In the Old Testament, they will go to a seer, a prophet, to tell them things in the mind of God. But in the New Testament, because you're a Christian, you have received that spirit. Now, that spirit, the Holy Spirit is still the same spirit, right? But in the Old Testament, it was operating on a temporary accommodation basis with the prop, with certain people in the Old Testament. Say temporary accommodation. Say temporary accommodation. Now, in the New Testament, it is permanent residence. Because Jesus said that, and the Holy Ghost, he will abide with you forever. John chapter 16 and 14. Chapter 14, chapter 16, you read there. Say, the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth, we abide with you forever. Say, permanent residence. Permanent res- residence. Unrevocable green card. Unrevocable British passport. <laughs> permanent residence. Isn't me. So remember, permanent residence isn't me. So regardless of how you feel, whether you think God is not happy with you because of your emotion, one of the silly things I've seen most in life and that we've taught in Christian circles is that um, you, one day you, maybe you woke up one morning and you're not feeling good and automatically you think God is not happy with you because you're not feeling good. It does not make sense. So Mrs. Oh, your husband, you are not feeling good one morning and you're not saying your husband must be unhappy with you. That's why you're not feeling good. It does not make sense. But you can know how God's emotions are 24-7 because God's emotions are constant, stable. The Bible says it's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen? So you may not be feeling good, but God's emotions about you, how he feels about you, is constant. Praise the Lord. So the Bible tells us there that we have that spirit from God that gives us access to the mind of God. Amen? So let's take it back to uh, the Old Testament. So, uh, going back to First Samuel chapter 9. So the Bible tells us here in verse 6, you know, four points I call that down to verse 7, that you know, there's a man of God and he's highly respected. You know, everything he says comes true. You know, and the guy said, let's go there. Now that's a prophet. Temporary accommodation, the Holy Spirit was working with a few people, you know, to guide the children of Israel, you know, to just guide them because those guys are just so hard-headed, those guys, are, uh, go. the story of children of Israel is an example of patience, a demonstration of the patience and the goodness and the kindness of God. Because some of us, if we're God, you'll have killed all of the children of Israel. He was always putting something in place just to keep them from trouble, entering problem. And he appointed prophets, you know, whom the his spirit come upon them to guide the children of Israel. So those guys, because of their kind of appointment, it wasn't even something they qualified for to a very much extent, but because of their appointment and their consciousness of God, they can hear God, they can have access to the mind of God. One sad thing is that sometimes these guys, like, what's to, they, they miss it. Right? They, they do miss it. Now, one thing about you know, prophesying and all this kind of thing is this. Now, the message from God is always pure, perfect, but the mind of a person can interfere. 
So that's why when a man or God or a prophet is saying something to you, don't take it as a complete truth. Like, it can, when I say complete truth, I say don't say it as it's not possible for it to be twisted. A man in his mind can twist the message intentionally. Or because they, have, because they operate in those words of knowledge more often, can choose to take advantage of that and, and, and do stuff. Amen. So what that means is because you have the spirit of God inside of you, you can check what somebody is telling you. So if your spirit, the spirit of God inside of you says, Mm-mm, then the problem is not with you. The problem is on the other side. Because you have access to God. We God send people to your life to say things to you kind of thing, obviously, probably, but I hardly have people speak into my life. They can't see. I repeat, I hardly have people come and speak into my life because God has told me, he has showed me. I've read it in the Bible. So why does he need to send somebody to me to come and tell me something? So if you go to a meeting and it seems like somebody is having visions and prophecy on people, and you're thinking, ah, why did they not prophesy into my life? You want to hear the truth? You don't need it. Because as you're stepping out of that place, God can tell you the next thing to do. When people come to speak into our life, prophesy into our lives, like the book was saying, um, 1 Corinthians 14 tells us it's for edification, it's to build us, it's to comfort us. So words of prophecy should not, should not tear you down, should not beat you down, should not make you feel worse than you are. What God lifts people, he doesn't tear people down. Paul said that the word of God was entrusted to him, entrusted to us, to beat people up, not to beat them down. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, uh, because of this kind of situation in the Old Testament, a lot of people tend to hold prophets in a kind of ungodly regard. And they themselves, because they do not understand that the word of knowledge is a gift of the Spirit available to them, they don't even think of experiencing it. Amen? And they are always looking outwards to one man of God to speak into their life. You don't need people to speak into your life. You have God on the inside of you. People can come and speak into your life to encourage you to confirm what God has told you or to show you certain things that God has been nudging your heart that you are not thinking of. But the Spirit of God on the inside of you, whom you have received, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, must be a witness, must say, Dami, that's true. Dami, that's not true. And we all have to train ourselves to be able to recognize. Because if this prophet guys, if they are very, very eloquent, I've seen some guys very, very eloquent, you know, very posh. When you go to their church, when you see stuff like, you know, you can be easily carried away by those glamorous things and have some people, like, let's, do, let's, have, let's have some drama class. Amen. Um, you may not know I'm thinking of a career in um, acting, right? So, amen. Right, so here, <clears throat> thank you, Lord. I can see the power of God moving it up. Oh, yes. The power of God. Has, yes. Sister, come. 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 Your name is Shinis. And if, did I get it or not? It was like, ah! it's, it's rubbish. What does our name Shinis got to do with the plan and the purpose of God? You have a brother. His name is Dami. Yay! The people have been. <laughs> Miss O, understand me when I slow down this way. <laughs> they have been fooled. 
you went to, okay, this is not your name. I don't know what primary school you went to, but like, okay. You went to St. James's Primary School. Wow! What? Do you know what the Bible says about the spirit that God has given to us? That we may know the things that are freely given to us. That you may know your rights and privileges in Christ. That you may know your purpose. That you may know that you have the power of God on the inside of you to defeat those demons and unclean spirits troubling your life. That you may know that how God is navigating you out of the current problem into where he wants to take you to. That you may know where God is taking you to so that you can be a blessing to nations. That you may know, that you may know, that you may know. So what does, you went to this primary school, what does it have to do with your purpose, God's ultimate plan and purpose in your life? And how are you sure that they've not gone to collect information somewhere? Research your database before they come in. Know the church you attend. Come on, we live in the world where people are. So you should not be enticed, uh, blown away, because somebody has some fact about your life. When God speaks into your life, when God you know, speaks into your life through someone, it must always be unto edification. His plan is purpose for your life. And because believers do not know that they have access to the mind of God and they can hear God, they can operate in the gift of word of knowledge, they have put prophets on pedestals that they should not. And their own spiritual life is really on the decline. And we wonder why the body of Christ is not powerful, is not effective, and making things happen. Because people do not know who they are in Christ. And that's my assignment, to help believers know their rights and their privileges in Christ Jesus. Amen. So let's carry on with that. Uh, let me see if anything is on the call. So eventually, let me jump to verse 15. So... You know, they met this prophet, they went to him, they went to Samuel, and then, now the day, now, verse 15 of First uh, Samuel chapter 9, the Bible says, now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, you know, all of the events that we're talking about earlier on, that this guy's uh, donkey, the father's donkey is missing. So, prophets do see things. You and I can see things. Amen. About this time tomorrow, verse 16, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler. Look at this. So even though God showed Samuel stuff about the missing donkey, there was an end in the mind of God. Verse 16, I'll take it again. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people for their cry has reached me. Verse 17. When Saul caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Friends, now I felt to highlight this in my Bible and to share with you because God, I mean, printed this on my heart this morning. I was just going to brush through it, look at the view verses and move on. But as I was studying this morning, he asked me to spend time on this. Right? And this is one of the reasons why I encourage people to go to church on Sunday. You can have fellowship in your house, things. But the thing is, as a body of Christ, we need someone to watch our back. We need somebody. What I'm trying to say is that we are not created for independent living or to live in isolation. And I've committed myself to following God's order, even if it doesn't look like it makes sense. You know, we can watch last week, a message last week, I, I, well, I challenge you, why should you go to church? 
Why are you a Christian? Go watch it. Why should you go to church? If there's no reason for you to go to church, that you're not that what your parents told you, not that your parents are dragging you to church. If you do not have it, there's no point going to church. So I challenge every teenager to ask their parent, oh, parent, God will help you. Okay, maybe send them to me. Why do we go to church? Why should we go to church? Why should we be Christians? But get ready for a six-hour lecture. Amen. Because I will show you why we go to church and why we must go to the right church and what it does in our life. I'll give you just a tip, just tips. As some of you go back home today, you may not be able to explain it, but there was a freshness on the inside of you. There's a cleanse on the inside of you. There's a clarity in your thoughts. And there's a more increasing consciousness of God inside that will happen to you. It's automatic. You cannot doubt it. You know, if, it's, if it doesn't happen, come back and meet me next week and tell me that it didn't work. Because of what I'm speaking unto you, their spirit and their life. I have my notes. I have what I want to teach you. But God hasn't printed these things in my heart. So I will call out things in people's life, things they are struggling with. Or what, where they need clarity. This is church. And that's why we, um, I started working with my wife on our kind of own Bible school. Um, year one, year two. It's a lot of work for me. God help me. I get to me. So in, in those Bible school, you know, because I'm a, I'm a Rema graduate, um, Papa Egan, Rema Bible College, spent three years there, and I've been working for Andrew Mike for some time. I have a lot of, um, I have access to a lot of Andrew Mike's materials, and my personal study, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I've been, I've been in this journey for nearly 15 years now. So trying to put all of this together to help you guys, you know, stand firm in, in a sense. So in that setting, it's very different because it's more of kind of a lecture basis. But on Sunday like this, is word of life coming to you, what God is saying to you guys, want to edify you, preparing you for the week. But that one, the, the Bible school is training you onto doing what God wants you to do. Amen. So uh, that's quite different. I'll keep you guys posted when we get there. So where did I stop? Uh, I was talking about something. Samuel, yeah, but there was a point I was going to call out before I got there, but I'll just carry on with Samuel. If I remember, I'll, carry on. I'll, I'll talk about it. So verse 17 says, When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, now I remember where I stopped. This is the man I spoke to you about. It will govern my people. So what I was trying to say earlier on is this. Now, if you look at this, it seems like Samuel has a special relationship with God. But everyone of, here, everyone of us here have a much better relationship with God. Because at this time, Jesus had not died to give everyone access to God. But, in, but now, 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 in this dispensation of our normal people, in Christ Jesus, right, we all have access to the Father. I mean, equal access to the Father. Friends, if I, if I stop following the Lord, don't be surprised if you are more spiritual than me. Don't, that's why you don't ever rate your spirituality by another person's level of spirituality. No. No. Christianity is a personal work with God. And it has to be real to you. Anybody can miss it. If they start rolling with the wrong crowd. So if you don't see me come with some one pastor this today, pastor that tomorrow, is the reason why I'm still able to give you sound teaching. Because I know how it works in that space. You bring one special guest. Why special guest all the time? The problem in your house, in your church, you have not dealt with, with the word of God. You have not assessed the level of spirituality to the people and see how to teach them. You are bringing one prophet, one pastor, one something from somewhere. And they will come and coin the people, collect money. Are we all right? My younger sister said to me, Pastor, um, Brother Tunde, hmm. God is using you. You are doing a great work. 
But these fathers, they will just be looking at, you know, they will be saying, hmm, what is he talking about? What does he know? Why is he talking like that? And I was like, ah, she's right. And I was in the bed one day, and I was just meditating, and the Holy Spirit said, nobody, I called you, they didn't call you. You say what I asked you to say. I called my wife, I said, the game is changing. I am only loyal to the Holy Ghost, and I'll speak what he asked him to speak. No man called me. God called me. I want to be a business person. I want to make my money. I want to be a millionaire. I don't like yacht, but I like the goods for me to buy one. I don't like private jet, but I don't want that one. I get to me. That's what I want to do. I want to just live my life and be, and be fun. And God asked me to come and pastor people. We, we've been dry, this matter, this, this matter, me and God, we drive for a long time. I will not come into this and not be listening to some guys who, let's not go there. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> this is why I am not normal. Praise God. Uh, we're out of time, but let me run through this so that we can close on this one. Now, when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Guys, if you read this carefully, you have that same relationship with God. You can hear God, hear clear instructions from him. But you have to learn to recognize his voice. Friends, it's practice. We have to train ourselves. Uh, last Saturday in the month of this month, we we're looking to get out to do some kind of outreach whereby, you know, whatever God lays in your spirit, say it. Pray for someone. You know, we're, gonna, we're still working on the logistics. Let's go and what we're talking about, what we've been teaching on, word of knowledge. Let's go and practice it. Someone walk up to you and the Holy Ghost says, This person is going through depression. And you get into the conversation and you just mention depression and watch how the person's face light up. Do you mind if I pray for you? You realize that as you practice this over and over, you start getting used to it and you can easily recognize the voice of God. You don't get it perfect the very first time. So don't look at yourself like, Lord, why me? <laughs> My life is going now. I can say, stay a whole day and just give you guys some nice stuff. Amen. Let's go. So, verse 18, Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to, to the high place for today you are to eat with me. And in the morning, I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. Hello. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 that nobody knows the mind of a man except the spirit that is in the man. Ha, 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 hallelujah, Lord, help me. I like cool stuff like this. Amen. Right. So, <clears throat> I can pick what's in people's mind. I can. You don't know how I, how, how I started operating in that time, time, time? I read in the Bible that Jesus knew what was on people's mind. Ah, I was like, if Jesus can know, then I can know. Because the Spirit has worked in Jesus, has worked in me. I know there's some things that God will not show me because if I know everything, I, I, I may not be able to sleep at night. But the things that I need to know. Ah. And, you know, people, some people will be lying to me and I'm like, do you know I can read your CV? I'm like, hmm. This is my response. Hmm. 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 And I, can, I, can, I know they are lying. And they are looking me in the face and they are still lying. And I'm like, do you know I see everything? A few people have had to, if, as I'm permitted and led by the Spirit, I'll tell them, let them see that they are lying. But normally, I don't like people being embarrassed. So many people get away with the lying. But I will still hint them in future that I knew that you were lying. Amen. You can know the mind of people. The one the Holy Ghost wants you to know. He's a spirit of God. He knows the heart of people. Sometimes he may not tell you exactly what's in their mind, but he will tell you that this person doesn't have a good intention. Be careful. He will give you a check. So you don't need a seer to know whether somebody in your family does not like you. Just walk into the room. The Holy Ghost will say, 
to your, at your 10 o'clock, babe. <clears throat> at your 10 o'clock or not what? Or some, something. You just pick the signal. Something is not right. Men, if a lady has seductive intention against you, you can pick it. No matter how much they look nice and they're so holy, holy, hallelujah. For, and let's turn our Bibles to the book of First John chapter 1. I feel the Lord is speaking. And let's be saying, don't go there. Don't go there. But this is Thai spiritual. The Holy Spirit is giving you a check. Back off. This is operation of the word of knowledge. Girls, I still talk to our singles a lot, right? So we'll have our conversations. Right? The guy comes and uh, guys can act. Ah, you know. <laughs> guys, uh, okay, well, don't look at me, look at me. You know, I can tell a girl what she wants to hear. And I can say for six months because of what I want to get. That's when I was in the world. Patience. So you just test the guy for three months, six months. And that's why this 90 day rule nonsense that this guy talked about, about, you know, if you, know, if you, have, if you have watched the movie, it's a thing like a man, something like that. That 90 day rule is rubbish. And to put you in problem. And the first place, where in the Bible does the Bible say that you can, you can fornicate after 90 days? Where, do, where, where is it written? And I love it. A woman one day challenged the guy and said, you know what? That rule, I've practiced this rule, and in many occasions, or four to five times, this, you know, I've been used and dumped. And he could not really defend himself. No way, uh, so don't worry about that. We guys, we know what's happening here. So a guy can tell you what he wants you to hear for six months, patience, even one year. But the Holy Ghost can say, <laughs> Did me see? Turn left. <laughs> don't, thou shalt not go there. But it's so nice, he fears the Lord. Seriously? Come to the back of the altar. You know where some people are holy or not holy. Don't worry, we have gist. We'll talk about some stuff here. Amen. So we can know the heart of people. My wife and I, God has helped us to avoid a lot of problems. We don't have marriage problems like many people do. And one of the reasons is because if I feel uncomfortable in my spirit about a person, we're not allowing them in our space. I don't, I don't want unnecessary fasting and praying if I can avoid it. Praise the Lord. Shall I say let's rise on our feet? That's how professional pastors do. Okay, let's rise up. Let's pray. Praise God.